0: In uh, coming to give the evening talk, I can say with uh, all honesty that the uh, most difficult thing is um, finding the title (laughs) for the talk. (coughs) And in the uh, walk from 101 upstairs Uh, down here, uh, I was completely baffled for a title, <laughs> and usually once I got the title, then the rest will flow on. Well, <laughs> So this evening, there's no title, and... <laughs> and have to see whether the rest will flow on. (laughs) In a way, one could um, be forgiven for thinking that um, um, IMS is a kind of um, uh, uh, refuge and a sometimes a a refuge between two uh, predators, one called New York and the other Boston. (laughs) (coughs) And so we find ourselves in situations uh, 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 like this and in that there is some uh, protection and uh, necessary protection from some of the harshness of this uh, world that we are living in. And sometimes in that, of course, as you know, we receive news and painful information which comes to us from those that we know and those that we don't know. And it seems that there's sometimes a kind of perversity in the world of pain and cruelty and injustice, and a kind of lack of fairness in the scheme of things, and good people are as harmed as much as others. And this sometimes shakes us up and we wonder what is meant, if there's any such thing as real justice in this world, where the concepts of the East, like karma, can have Any meaning or relevance or whether they're just simply ways of trying to put some order into all of this which reveals itself. And in our coming to situations like this we engage in the meditation processes, the work of exploring and looking at ourselves and of course say theme with the process of meditation is one which is a direct contribution to calmness and relaxation and the day through the timetable the sitting the walking the atmosphere the togetherness all of this contributes to calmness and relax relaxation sometimes perhaps more than what we've really appreciated and acknowledged and In that, we sometimes forget that with calmness and relaxation, that one expression of it, one uh, actual manifestation of it, is that some of the protective layers, psychological and physical, small is supposed to be beautiful, but I think too small is not so. (laughs) Uh, And some... (laughs) part of the distraction um, anyway. So <coughs> this is the price of no title. <laughs> and sometimes in our calmness and in the relaxation, what we forget, what we perhaps don't perhaps appreciate enough in that, that calmness and relaxation is the dissolution of something. Mm-hmm. And we might describe that dissolution as the dissolution of some of the pressure, the tensions, and some of the defenses too, which arise. And we have found ourselves in our daily life situation, because of sometimes the amount of painful information which is coming to us, to almost, as it were, through the defenses which we establish with ourselves, to kind of almost engage in a kind of uh, incubation within ourselves from what's coming from outside of ourselves. And in that too, we know what we notice and sometimes people refer to regularly on the retreat situation is that there's a kind of heightened sensitivity which is taking place. And this heightened sensitivity touches ourselves, it touches us through what we listen to, what we see, what we, what we recall, what we anticipate. And there's a, the impact of the world Around, even in a relatively peaceful uh, situation like this, which impacts on us. And so sometimes we, we, we wonder, and, and perhaps a little anxious as well, that if we're dropping, if we're relaxing, if we're settling in, and therefore there is the dissolution of some of the defenses, are we actually leaving ourselves less protected? Because certainly some of the defences which we have established have served for us as a vital and necessary function to help filter down some of the impact of situations which we are coming from. So quite understandably, the thought can arise of some concern. But if if I'm letting go, if I'm relaxing into things, does it mean that when I leave here, then I go back into the city, I go back into that situation, into that workplace, and very quickly and immediately I'll be too exposed, and with it will come my reactivity, my defenses, and I'll find myself just building it all up again. And the wall, brick and mortar, will be back in place. And it's a very important, I think, in a, a, a question, and it's a question which arises in in us. Sometimes, too, another aspect of what takes place for us is that during the course of the day, we experience in our uh, day-to-day situations here, as well as elsewhere, a whole variety of uh, daydreams, fantasies, uh, spaced-out condition, and all sorts of multiple kinds of forms which take place. Sometimes, with that kind of condition, we say, this is keeping me from the real world. In this, uh, I get into a kind of bubble or whatever in my mind. I'm losing access to reality and I'm indulging, I'm getting caught up in my fantasy, my uh, daydreams or whatever it might be. And then that's, as it were, becoming a substitute reality. And so the wish is, because of the emphasis which we receive here, the wish is for the dissolution of the the bubble, the daydream, the fantasy, and a more frequency of access to the here and now, meaning what's actually going on through our senses, through our breath, through the body sensations. When, in a situation like that, we build up, and all of this again is building up, this building up takes place, what we do is we build up a picture, inwardly of I should be more in contact with the here and now as, and I should be able to be much more free from my spaced out state, my daydreams, my fantasies. And so we, we make a, a division with our thinking and with our priorities and in that division we b- can begin to react against the fantasy, the daydream and that exposure because we're so much for something different from that and indirectly this message of course goes out to us uh, again and again and we notice too that fantasy life is e- very easily uh, fed through the, the media through the, the, the cinema the television and multiple other ways sometimes in the situation here and elsewhere we can stop and in, our, in the stopping of the fantasy, sometimes it tells us something. There's some actual insight into that, the storyline, the picture line, the intentions, the role that we are playing, the participation in that mental world. We learn something from, and there's a, been a great deal of insightful exploration of some of the expressions of fantasy life. Similarly, that learning can provide some resource for some uh, genuine insight and real knowledge about ourselves. But, frequently, it doesn't tell us anything. (laughs) (laughs) We just go out there, off on a tangent, we go totally out to lunch, and in that movement that takes place, then something occurs around around us, One, it? it's the bell for the real lunch. And in <laughs> <coughs> and in that we are brought, as we say, we are brought back down to earth, we reconnect with the here and now situation. When there's the exaggerated value for the real lunch over the out to lunch, lunch that when that is occurring, very, very easily, we form a standpoint. We use the fantasy. Well, this is yet a further stage in this distraction. Um, <laughs> See how the nature comes in to help you when you're not, not sure what you're going to say next. I wonder it's called the Dharma Seed Library. (laughs) (laughs) So we use the fantasy, we get into the fantasy. The fantasy is over we've highlighted this priority of being in touch with the real world, so the state of the fantasy, the condition of it, is used through the priority to make a statement about ourself. Oh, I am always lost in my fantasies, I can't get out of my fantasies, I live in my fantasies, I'm stuck in my fantasies, whatever it might be. And so there's the expression of a certain mental state it ends either through some internal event or external event and then comes in some kind of thought and it gives the appearance that the thought is making an objective statement about the fantasy. As though one has a kind of clear access to the truth of the fantasy, I would say the fantasy still continuing. that a state of mind and, as it were, a subsequent commentary on it, uh, giving the commentary a reality to it is part of the fantasy. One of the things with the judgment that comes when we uh, impose the judgment on our uh, inner life in this way, and we um, get caught up in this k- kind of mode. I think, in a way, we're not making allowances, and that allowance is for our humanness. And therefore, in humanness, I think, I don't think, as it were, there is a reality and an unreality, and we make that division that the expression of the here and now and the contact on the senses, that is one manifestation of life, of nature, and another manifestation is in the form of the internal world that's taking place. And I think it's something to do with an attitude of mind, a kind of outlook or a perception which begins to accommodate and embrace the inner life as respectfully as the outer life. And those, if you ask, if they're, in uh, uh, any way I'm sure, honest, if you ask people who have had the privilege, and it is an immense privilege in life, to engage in um, a considerable degree of meditation and have touched various uh, depths with the meditation and have uh, devoted their life to the uh, exploration and the adventure of it. No matter how much work and how much inner exploration, how much realization and the manifestation of liberation and a genuine spiritual awakening, such people have fantasy. (laughs) (laughs) And if they're not, they're peculiarly abnormal. (laughs) And should go into psychotherapy. (laughs) manifestations and the expressions of our of our inner life. As I say, sometimes there is insight into the processes, insight into the manifestation. Sometimes there is none whatsoever. Just there's been an appearance, it's come, it's faded, and one has realized, generally speaking, after the event that it, this, whatever it was, has occurred. Sometimes, because the power of consciousness is a wonderful thing, that sometimes the power of consciousness is such that there's the knowing that it's going on while it is going on. There's the knowing of a dream, of a nightmare, or whatever, while it's occurring, that it is that. And so the power of the consciousness in that re- respect, sometimes in the middle of it, and perhaps more often and not, we suddenly realise, oh, I was in A. (coughs) In both cases, that means the first one I'm talking where there's the dropping of some of the protective mechanisms and the defensive mechanisms, or in the world of the fantasy life which takes place in our relationship to, to that, in the state of either experiences, I think there's much to be discovered much to explore and and look at in our our lives and in ourselves here if we take the first one uh, with the dropping of the uh, defences one as a human being doesn't like generally speaking to feel vulnerable so the defences give some protection from the excesses of too much vulnerability but what we know with the defences and the protection is that too much of it means that we not only block out the painful information in life, but also we b- because it's so uh, uh, habitual, it blocks out beauty. It blocks out light, it blocks out love, it blocks out affection, because it, it just works habitually. And then we begin to view the world around us through the defences. And there's a lack of passion in our life, a lack of feeling in our life, a lack of whatever it is, because the defences have got habitual and we haven't realized, we haven't understood when they are appropriate and we haven't understood when they're inappropriate. And I think there is a genuine place for defences in life or protection in life or saying no, for limiting the amount of input, especially painful input but the habitualization of it inhibits our liberation and and it darkens the view of our situation, of where we live, the city, the place, the home and our perceptions. We live in a darkened world because we haven't understood the rising of Mm defences and we haven't understood the falling of defences. Haven't understood when there are no defences and we're receptive to life and the interfacing of it and we haven't understood when there's an appropriateness for it. (coughs) Sometimes the risk and spiritual life is an adventure an adventure is taking leaps it's making risks it's always opening up to new ground with a certain degree of uh, uncertainty to it <laughs> so sometimes in the sensitivities of being here and remember the whole atmosphere the silence the place the history the diet the exercise the, the work the meditations or all engaged in some risk-taking because one's letting things drop, letting things fade away, simplifying things. Sometimes in that, some of the risk begins to show itself and it begins to show itself in some of the fear which begins to arise what will it be like when I leave? What will it be like when I go back to here and there? And in that there is some fear Sometimes And some fear arises, and when the fear arises, the fear then begins to bring some contraction, and once again, one starts protecting. And one feels it's necessary. And one starts to hold in a little bit because of what it might be like from Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or whatever. And so the element of risk, the element is counteracted by the element of faith let me have faith in the process let me stay with the process let me give us full care and attention to the process of what's happening and learning through the process and the and, and faith being if I take care of today to really look after today then in some way tomorrow will look after itself so that we don't buy the fear about tomorrow because the fear will harden us to the receptivities of today. With the daydreams and the fantasy world, one of the things which takes place, which is rather unfortunate, is we use it as a criteria for how awake we are, how free we are, how liberated we are. and so we begin in, in the when we're experiencing it through the day, whatever the form may be, how I would like to be, what I was like in the past, how I am now, all of this and other situations around ourselves get built up. And then we begin to think in a kind of term of measurement. The amount of fantasy which I have is showing how connected or not connected I am. So if one goes through the day spiring along on some fantasy there, and one gets to the end of the day and it's (laughs) 9.30, And one is just so utterly exhausted, and one said, my God, the whole day <laughs> was spent daydreaming about this movie. <laughs> Whatever, one might be in it or want to be in it. And as, I must, and as Marlon Brando said in a recent interview, it was probably the best thing he ever said. He said, when it comes to the end of his life, he says he anticipates that he'll look over, back over his life and he'll say to himself, What was all that about? (laughs) And I think sometimes at the end of the day, we reach the end of the day and the same kind of perception and view can arise. But supposing there is a conviction, supposing there is an awareness there, at the beginnings of an understanding, I'm not going to use that formation of mind, that state of mind, as a measurement of where I am. I'm not going to look at it as a statement about myself. What would it mean from a standpoint of freedom? Sometimes we touch places inside of ourselves, and we're brought into a, sometimes rather unexpectedly and if not unknowingly, we're brought into a, an awareness, a, a, a condition, we might say, in which. Rather fundamentally, we're really challenged about our whole way of living and being with the present. And perhaps sometimes, as some of you report, in a way which one has not perhaps felt before or sensed before. And sometimes the way that that manifests and shows itself is that one starts to wake up, and sometimes rather alarming, alarmingly and sometimes joyfully, to the bare actuality that one's relationship to the present is that the present is only conceived of something for me, something which I have to do about for me or for others in some way or other, and it's, it, and it's the way that I relate to it. And all the manifestations of my thoughts and my daydreams and my storylines and my, my history and my meditations and my participations, all of it's got a kind of ring to it, a thread doing that the present is somehow serving a particular end. Whether the end is for oneself or whether the end is for others is rather, at this point, rather incidental. But the present's got a use. and I am giving it the use. And I'm making that use of the present fit in with some motives. Altruistic, selfish, or both. And so my relationship to life, the present, is in a doing mode. It serves a particular interest. And one looks at the 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 bare actuality of it. That one's life has been relating day by day, hour by hour in that Mm And when we're relating in that way, no wonder we're so frequently paralyzed with boredom. No wonder when we're in a state of saying, I don't know what to do. The mind just responds in a state of boredom. No wonder that one can sit in here and have the most utterly boring periods, hours, days of one's whole life, in which one is just waiting for it to be over because one's so utterly bored with those knees and breath and <laughs> talks and whatever. <laughs> and, and all of that in a way is the whisper at times, if not the shout from inside of oneself I'm not doing anything. Nothing's getting done, nothing's getting uh, achieved and the doing mind and the habit of it And so sometimes we touch place inside and deeply inside where we begin to see that there is deep down some conditioned resistance to being with things just the way they are without having to do something. The very, we notice it, Deep down inside of ourselves, it seems that we can't relate unless we're in an action of wanting to do, wanting to change in some way or other. It's as though sometimes we never seem to find life for itself, realize life for itself. only seem to realize it according to how we relate to it. Sometimes we explore these areas. The areas of the defenses, the areas of the fantasies and the daydreams, the areas of noticing that Resistance to the present. And we see in those expressions and in those movements which take place how much that forms the, the structure of our life. And then we hear that, we hear that message in, in different ways, and we keep saying to ourselves when we hear, hear those. Messages, hear these teachings. That the thought then comes that it shouldn't be like that. It should be different. It should be something dramatically different. And if it was something dramatically different, then I'd know what liberation is, then I'd know what enlightenment is, then I'd know what spiritual awakening or whatever. And sometimes we we take the spiritual life which is life. And we kind of compartmentalizing what it should be and what it is from what it is. And we kind of look at the, the whole dynamic, the whole process, the ongoing revelation in the same In a way, jaundiced view, perhaps, that we say the uh, clouds obscure the sun. Depends where you're speaking from. Certainly not the position of the sun. All it knows is the generating of endless light. Nothing obscures it. So I wonder if there's possibility for us to acknowledge our humanness, to exercise <coughs> great faith in the process of things, to say the defenses and the, the daydreams, the, the, the doing mode constitutes you and I. And it's not to say that any of that is constantly present. But to know at times when it's present, to know at times when it isn't present, and to say, yes, it's life. This is it. So instead of being concerned about reality, this is the true reality, the here and now, and the daydream isn't the true reality, Instead of being concerned with that viewpoint, let's be realistic. I think sometimes with ourselves and in our view of things, and particularly with the, the uh, teachings themselves, one might say the heart of the matter, the, the spirit of all things is freedom in life, awakening, liberation. But rather unfortunately, in just the, the uh, reference to that, in just the whisper of that, how easily that sets us up. Because then we look at ourselves through the reference and then we have to say to ourselves we may have to say to ourselves I look at this which I call liberation freedom awakening fastness whatever I look at this and when I look at this then I look at myself I say oh god (laughs) I've got a long way to go (laughs) and i make the gap. (coughs) So every time I hear about fulfillment, wholeness, completion, liberation, whatever, it gives me, almost instantaneously whoever the me is, it gives me, oh, such a gap, such a leap to make, such a bridge to cross over. Or maybe well, I, I, I can't do anything. Maybe I've just got to hang in there and then it will come to me. And in either case, whether I go to it or it <laughs> comes to me, it all reinforces the idea of a gap. And our life is spent Facing the gap. they truly committed to these explorations and spiritual things. Then life is spent, it seems, facing the gap. And we think that the gap itself is the reality of our situation. is the truth of our situation because we believe it to be the truth. So, where is the gap unless there's the belief? Sometimes we explore this with wonder and with interest. We say, hey, this gap is the fantasy. this gap we've made, and we're supporting it and sustaining it and reinforcing it and perpetuating it for ourselves and others. I think we can be adventurous and bold in our interest and inquiry and exploration and not be afraid to see through some of the sacred cows of spiritual teachings to the metaphors of the path and the way and the road and the travel. Not to be afraid of Disputing the notion of a gap, of that in relationship to me. And I think all of that is instantaneously revealing great freedom. because we have simply stopped believing it. (coughs) We are tired of the measuring of sensations, of the fantasies, of the protests about the, the movements going on in relationship to the present. We've seen it enough, we're exhausted with it. And so the Buddha has sometimes, he's referring to the ending of the belief and the freedom. He's, he's spoken of it in, he says, it's like a person who's been in hospital, and that person comes out of hospital, and there's a, a relief in coming out. This is like a person who has been in, in prison, Everyone has takes that, that step out of the prison, and we have become prisoners of beliefs. So I say the whole body of the teachings is immediately available. And it's the teachings which tell us again and again, not only to see the arising of the teachings, not only to see the middle of the teachings, but equally and most significantly to see the end of the teachings. And we are always here to see the end of the teachings. May all beings see into life. May all beings explore the nature of things. May all beings be free.